Dr. Mark Job. As we seek after the presence of God, as we want God to move in this place, listen, God's presence refuses to be handled casually or carelessly. Never mix the hand of the flesh with the power of the divine and the holy. I know you're not of a Levitical lineage, but you are being trained to handle that which is sacred and divine and holy. Question, do you have a casual relationship with God or are you hungry for more? King David wrestled with this and you will too next. This is Moody Presents with Pastor Mark Job, president and graduate of Moody Bible Institute. Pastor Mark recalls how God shaped him through the classes he took and the chapels he attended at Moody, but he'll also tell you another great moment was when he met the girl that would become his wife. For 30 years, Mark and Dee have ministered in Chicago, and he still loves to serve alongside of her. Let's turn now to 2 Samuel chapter 6 as Pastor Mark Job talks to us about casual relationships. You know, the presence of God is a little bit like that. Some of us have a casual relationship with God. The more that we get to know God, those that truly seek after Him and want to know them, they can't tolerate simply a dating relationship, simply a casual relationship, because they hunger and thirst more for God. They want more. They, they can't live forever with just an occasional time in His presence. They want consistent time in His presence. They want to be saturated with the presence of God. They want to walk with Him daily. They want to be inseparable from God. They want to walk in the Spirit and know the depth of His love and seek that intimacy of walking with Him. What if His presence became something that we could not live without? What if People walked on this campus and immediately sensed this is a place where God is present. He's here powerfully. So I've been thinking a lot about the presence of God. And one of the passages that has struck me uh, actually for the last couple of months is a passage that's found in 2 Samuel chapter 6. I'm going to be looking at verses 1 through 15 of 2 Samuel chapter 6 because it really has to do with King David and his desire for more of God. In 2 Samuel, David had become king of Israel. God's favor had been upon him. He had been anointed years earlier, had been a shepherd for a while. Saul had pursued him. David had maintained that hunger and thirst for God, never placing himself in a position of leadership but allowing God to raise him to a position of leadership. But he never lost that hunger for God. As a shepherd boy, he sang, he wrote songs, he worshiped God. When he became a warrior, he sang, he worshiped God. As he rose to different power of influence, he maintained that heart after God. And now he had been given the kingship. He was now ruling the nation. He had 
stepped into what they called the city of David, and he had started to build the city of David, it seemed like everything that he wanted, all the desires of his heart that were there. He had conquered over his enemies. He was successful. He was admired by the people. He had built a magnificent city, but when he looked at the city, he looked what he had. He looked at all of his success. People would have loved to be where David was. They would have thought he reached the pinnacle of what he could have, but there was one thing that was missing. He looked at the city of David and he longed to have the presence of God in his city. Now, the presence of God in those days was a little bit different than today, but the epicenter of the presence of God, the symbol of the presence of God, was a two and a half by three and a half wooden box that was called the Ark of the Covenant. And it would be placed in the Holy of Holies. It was Israel's symbol of God's presence. It was something that God had established. God had told in the build it was not a large box, but it was the epicenter of His presence. It symbolized God's holy presence on earth. And so the Bible tells us that in 2 Samuel chapter 6, verse 1, that David wanted the presence. He had everything, but he, he wanted more of God's presence. He wanted the glory to dwell where he dwelt. He didn't just want success, accolades, influence. All that was empty without the presence of God because he had developed this taste, this heart for God, a man after God's own heart. And so the Bible tells us that he gathered together a massive amount of people. It said David again brought together all the able young men of Israel. There was about 30,000 people. Imagine this, the United Center here in Chicago seats about 23,000 people. So add about 10,000 people to that crowd. That's a lot of people. 30,000 young men, it says, came together. And he and his men went to Bala in Judah to bring up from there the ark of God, which is called by the name, the name of the Lord Almighty, who's enthroned between the cherubim on the ark. They set the ark of God on a new cart and brought it from the house of Abinadab, which was on a hill. Abinadab lived about 20 miles away from Jerusalem. It had been there for a couple of decades. Abinadab was the guardian of the ark. He had two sons, and so they decided to transport the ark, which symbolized the presence of God, uh, 20 miles away and take it to the new city that David had built because he longed for the glory of God to dwell in his city. And something very peculiar happens on this journey, something that would shake the nation of Israel, something that would alter David's heart, something that would remind David about the presence of God, something powerful, a few powerful lessons about the presence of God that I want you and I to understand today as we ask God for more of his presence, not only in this city, but at the Moody Bible Institute. It tells us that Abinadab had two sons. They had been trained in handling, hear me well, they had been trained in handling the sacred. From since they were young, they were taught about the sacred, 
how to handle that which is sacred. What is right, what is wrong. What is proper, what is improper. How to go about it. The respect and the reverence around that which is holy. But interestingly enough, as they transported the ark, they didn't transport it the way they had been taught, instructed. In fact, they took on, it appears to be some of the innovation of the Philistines, instead of carrying the ark the way they had been instructed in the Old Testament, upon the shoulders of praising priests, they decided to use new technology and put it in a cart because it seemed more pragmatic, more practical, and so they transported the cart the way the Philistines had transported it years earlier on a cart. It just seemed more practical, more logical. And so they started transporting. They started this 20-mile journey. Uzzah, by the way, means strength. And something unusual happens. It says Uzzah and Ahio, sons of Abinadab, were guiding the new cart with the ark on it. And Ahio was walking in front of it. David and all Israel were celebrating with all their might before the Lord with castanets, harps, lyres, trembles, sistrums, and cymbals. This was a massive party. You couldn't see the beginning of it. You couldn't see the end of it. There's 30,000 people roaring, making noise, dancing, celebrating, shouting. Finally, the presence of God was coming to their city. This was a massive celebration like most parades. People in the back couldn't tell what's happening in the front, but they were. this was a, a, a big party, a celebration, a massive crowd taking the ark to the city of David. David was drunk with happiness, excited about taking finally the missing piece, the presence of God to his city. And then suddenly something happens. It happens, well, it appears like they had the same problem there that we have in the city of Chicago. There's potholes. And in the threshing floor of Nikon, the cart hit a pothole. Uzzah, one of the sons of Abinadab, which means strength, he reached out and he took hold of the ark of God. It started to move a little bit. It, it, it hit a pothole. And so he reaches up and he takes hold of the ark of God to steady it. Makes logical sense, doesn't it? He didn't want the ark of God on his watch to fall under the ground. So he reaches up and he touches that which is sacred. Because the oxen stumbled. Verse 7 says, But the Lord's anger burned against Uzzah because of his irreverent act. Therefore God struck him down, and he died there beside the ark of God. So imagine what's happening. They're celebrating. They're, they're, this is a glorious day, a unique occasion. The noise is going Uzzah raises up his hand. Uzzah who means strength. Uzzah who's been trained to handle the sacred. Uzzah who has been educated in what it means to be around the divine. But he gets comfortable around it. Used to it. Loses a little bit his holy reverence. He's been so close to the divine, so close to the sacred, that he loses a little bit that awe. He almost feels like it's his. And he raises his hand in seemingly a 
innocent act of caring for the things of God. And immediately the Bible says that he raises his hand, he touches it, and I don't know exactly what happened. I don't know if he starts foaming at the mouth. I don't know if he grabs his chest. But the Bible says that immediately God's wrath is raised against him, and he is struck dead right there in the middle of transporting the most sacred thing. And suddenly... And it doesn't describe all this, but I've been around parades. I know what happens. The people in front are still dancing, celebrating, cheering. The people behind are suddenly stopped and watching, and people gather around what's happening. A crowd starts to gather. People in the back don't know what's going on. So they're still cheering, celebrating, dancing. The people in front, suddenly the, car, the crowd starts getting bigger, 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 bigger. Someone tells David, David, look what's happened. They bring David back. Now there's a hush, a murmuring. People are talking what's going on they gather around the corpse of Uzzah which means strength who's been trained to handle the sacred but yet he dares to do something that irritates the heart of God he dares in his flesh to touch which is holy with little reverence with little fear of God it's pragmatic but it brings the wrath of God. This big transportation of the presence of God suddenly comes to a screeching halt. From celebration to confusion. Why would God do that? From hoarse screaming about the glorious praises of God to confused looks and what's happening here. The Bible says that David brought it to a screeching halt, that David's heart was full of fear and anger. They brought it to a halt. They stopped the procession. They said, we don't want the presence of God anymore in the city of David. David was afraid and angry, and so he said, I don't want it to come to my city. So he took the box, he took the Ark of the Covenant, and instead he found the closest home of someone that was trained uh, that, that was a priest, he took it to the home of Obed-Edom. And I want you to take note of this. I want you to write this down. I want you to remember this. I want you to really capture this as we seek after the presence of God, as we want God to move in this place. Listen, God's presence refuses to be handled casually or carelessly. Never mix the hand of the flesh with the power of the divine and the holy. Can I tell you something? Oh, I know you're not priest. I know you're not of a Levitical lineage, but you are being trained to handle that which is sacred and divine and holy. And there will be a temptation both here and in ministry to somehow believe that the arm of the flesh can accomplish the power of God, the things of God that should only be accomplished in the Spirit. There should never be a mixture between the power of your flesh and the power of the Spirit. There should never be a manipulation of your own strength and ability to try to accomplish that which God can only accomplish. He saves out of His grace and His conviction. You don't save people. He moves people to action because He does it by the power of His Spirit, not because of your strong personality or persuasive influence. Never be tempted to think that your power, your personality, your discipline, your leadership, 
your education, your understanding of technology, your style, your culture is the one that has an influence on people because when we mix the power of the flesh to accomplish that which only God can accomplish, God does not take that lightly. Never, never carelessly touch that which is holy and sacred. Never touch the glory. Never touch what is of God. Never bring the arm of the flesh to accomplish what only should be accomplished in the power of the Spirit. Never touch that which is holy in the arm of the flesh. David then afterwards... The Bible says in verse 8, David was angry because of the Lord's wrath had broken out against Uzzah. And to this day, that place is called Perez Uzzah. David was afraid. Two things. David was angry and afraid of the Lord that day. And he said, how could the ark of the Lord ever come to me? He was not willing to take the ark of the Lord with him to the city of David. Instead, he took it to the house of Obed-Edom. Hey, Obed, Uzzah just died. We figured we'd leave this in your house. I want you to notice this, by the way, about David. Because there was fear and anger in his life, it pushed away the presence of God. Ooh, I'm talking to someone here. There was fear and anger, and the fear and anger in David's life caused him not to want to travel with the presence of God, but to maintain a distance between himself and the presence of God. Fear and anger. Anger at how God had worked. Disillusionment. God, why did you do that? Why did you allow that, God? I don't understand it, God. I'm angry at the way you've worked. What you did or didn't do. I'm full of fear that if I get too close to you, God, it could be dangerous for my life. You could do things that I don't want you to do in my life. So fear and anger caused him not to be able to travel close to the presence of God, but to park the presence of God far from him. Now, he still believed in God. He still worshiped God. He still loved God. But he wanted to live his life not in close proximity to the presence of God, but as a safe distance from the presence of God. You can choose that. Because the presence of God is unmanageable. You can't tame God. He's untamable. He doesn't follow our dictates. He doesn't go according to our schedule. He invades our life. He brings repentance to our soul. He breaks us over our sin. He leads us to do things that we don't want to do. He takes us to places we wouldn't go. He causes us to love people that we wouldn't love. He convicts us in ways that we don't want to be convicted. He does things in our life that we don't want in the power of the flesh for him to do. But anger and fear will cause you to stay away from his presence. And some of you in this place have carried anger and fear, and you wonder why it feels like God is a thousand miles away, because it's anger in your life and fear in your life that will cause you to stay away from the presence of God at a safe distance from His presence. And the Bible says that Obed, I love Obed. I mean, what could he say? Sure, bring him to my house. Instead, he took it to the house of Obed-Edom, the Gittite. The ark of the Lord remained in the house of Obed-Edom, the Gittite, for three months. And listen to this. And the Lord blessed him and his entire household. 
Now, we don't know a lot about Obed, but what I love about Obed is that he takes the ark into his house. I can imagine the conversation with his kids. Kids, see that ark right over there? Not a toy. There is a parameter here. But what a privilege it is to have this in our house. What a glorious blessing it is to have this in our house. But with respect, don't touch it. Don't get close. You drop a toy, call mommy if it's close. And because there was this sense of welcoming the presence of God into his house, because there was this sense of, yeah, we are glad that this is in our house, but we treat it with reverence and respect, but we welcome the presence of God here. Something amazing happened. David kept an eye on Obed. You know, he would ask, and so, oh, so how's Obed? Anybody die yet? No? But then he started hearing reports. Three months the ark was in the house of Obed, but because he welcomed the presence of God and treated the presence the way the presence of God should be treated, something happened. The Bible said that Obed's house, look at, look at what it says. It says that everything in Obed's house, and the Lord blessed the house of Obed, Edom, and everything he has because of the ark of the Lord. The favor of God rested upon. His cows were bigger. The grass was greener. His kids were healthier. It seemed like because God was there, there was favor upon that household. And David saw it, and everybody noticed it. And so then David decides, I need to bring the ark where it belongs. And I want you to notice what he does. I want you to notice that he goes, the Bible says that, so David went to bring up the ark of God to the house of, from the house of Obed-Edom to the city of David with rejoicing, verse 13. When those who were carrying the ark of the Lord had taken six steps, he sacrificed a bull, a fattened calf, wearing a linen ephod. David was dancing before the Lord with all of his might. And while he and all Israel were bringing up the ark of the Lord with shouts and sounds of trumpets, this time they decided to give God the respect that he deserved. This time they decided to take care of the sacred in the sacred way. The ark of the Lord traveled on the shoulders of praising priests. This time it wasn't in the power of the flesh that they tried to bring the presence in. This time they brought it with humility and sacrifice. They brought it with praise every six steps they stopped. Imagine doing a trek of 20 miles when you stop every six steps, six paces, and offer something to God. This time they brought it with sacrifice, with humility, with praise, and not in the power of the flesh. Because they did it this way, by the way, it caused David to praise God with a lavish humility that his wife despised. 
Because they brought it not with new technology and not with pomp and circumstances, but with humility and repentance, and David danced before the Lord in humility, this time the proud looked down on David, and he had a conversation with his wife, and she said, boy, you've really undignified yourself before these people. And he said, oh, I will become even more undignified than this, because I did it before the Lord, not before you. You see, the presence of God, the presence of God, no one stands dignified before the presence of God. The presence of God humbles the high and the mighty. The presence of God brings us to our knees. The, humble, the presence of God brings us to repentance. There is no head that's lifted up in pride before the almighty, powerful, glorious God who's holy, 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 holy. It's in the atmosphere of praise and worship. It's in the atmosphere of humility. It's in the atmosphere where we acknowledge we cannot touch the sacred, that God chooses to dwell with power and might and brings his favor. So I've been praying, Lord, may we here at the Moody Bible Institute be the kind of place where the presence of God and the favor of God dwells with power. May we be the kind of place that humbles ourselves, that treats the sacred with the reverence that it deserves, that allows the presence of God to bring us to humility and repentance, that doesn't trust in the power of the flesh to accomplish the divine, but humbles ourselves and say, God, we will not touch that which belongs only to you. That's my heart. That's my desire. And my prayer is that in this next season, we would see God work in our own lives personally in a powerful and deep way because we become a place that welcomes the presence of God with humility and authentic worship. We've been looking at the life of King David and his desire for more of God. That entire message is available for you to listen to again at our website, moodypresents.org moodypresents.org. And if it's been a while since you've sent us an email, let us know how God is changing you or maybe challenging you as you listen. Connect with us at moodypresents at moody.edu. That's moodypresents at moody.edu. I'm John Geiger thanking you for listening to Moody Presents, a production of Moody Radio, a ministry of Moody Bible Institute.